All right, so we are making our way through biblical pictures of provision, and we are in the promised land, looking at how the poor are supposed to be treated in the promised land. So we talked a lot about the offerings that God requires to be given to him. But the scripture also says, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord, and he will reward you. So giving to the poor, it is throughout the law. There are many, 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 many scriptures throughout the law and the prophets about being generous to the poor. And God says, especially and specifically, specifically, there is a difference between the people of God in the household of God and the people of this world. He wants there to be a distinction between his people and the people of this world. Why? Because we learned from the beginning, the picture of the promised land is to make God look good, that the people of God have so much abundance and are so kind and generous with one another that other people, outsiders, want to be like, hey, they got a great God. I want to be a part of that. Okay, so that's the whole point of the promised land. And this, we're going to take a look at how God wants the poor to be treated in the promised land. So we're in Deuteronomy 15, verse 4, 7 to 8, and then 10 through 11. So we'll start with verse 4. But there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. So God's saying, I'm going to provide so much for you. There doesn't need to be anybody poor in the land. All right, now in a couple of verses, he's going to say, well, they're always going to be the poor among you. And it's like, what? Are you contradicting yourself? Not really. God, what did we learn in the wilderness? In the wilderness, we learned to share, share. There should be God in the promised land provides so much abundance. It is ridiculous that there would be a poor person when there is that much abundance going on. All right, this is what God is calling his people to understand. So now we're at verse seven. If among you, one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it might be. All right, so this is among you, among the Israelites, if somebody becomes poor. Now, let me tell you something. They became poor with all this abundance going on in the promised land. They became poor because some stuff went wrong in their life. So the religious person would be like, nope, you're poor because you did it to yourself. So too bad. I'm keeping my abundance to myself. I'm not going to share with you. But what does God say? He says, don't be doing that. No, you have to give open handedly. Don't shut your hand. Don't harden your heart to your poor brother. What if that was you? And hey, you remember, remember you were a slave in Egypt yeah, you were a slave, and I took you out of being a slave. So don't you dare harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. So moving on to verse 10, you shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging. No holding a grudge. No, oh, I've got to take care of you again. Oh, you got yourself into your own problem. Your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this— 
if you do this right, for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Hey, that sounds like a good deal. Don't harden your heart. Don't shut your hand against your poor brother, and the Lord will bless you. God's like, I got this. I gotcha. If you take care of the poor, I will take care of you. I will not fail, right? We're up to verse 11. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. That's what I just said. God's like, there will be no poor among you. There will never cease to be poor among you. What? Okay, this is how it goes. But we are supposed to take care of the poor, especially among the people of God. God's trying to make a distinction between his people and the people of this world. Therefore, I command you, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. All right, so we learned sharing in the wilderness, and now in the promised land, that sharing is taken to a whole new level of open-handed, unrestrained generosity toward the poor. All right. Why? This is the contrast because what's going on in every other nation, tribe, and tongue in the world? Violence. People living by the sword. If somebody becomes poor, guess what happens to them? They get dominated. They get owned, ruled, and controlled by someone else who has food, who has money, who has resources, who has provision. That's not the way it is with God's people. He's like, don't do that. That's not the way you are because you belong to me and I'm able to abundantly bless you no matter how much you give to the poor. This is not to harden your heart and start becoming like Cain and like Nimrod and like all the other violent nations out there. We do things differently in God's house. All right, so God continues in a different verse. Lending, if you're going to loan money, to an Israelite or loan anything, put anything out on loan. So they become in your debt. You you write a promissory note, you give them the stuff, and then they owe you. They have to pay you back. So lending is okay, but if you lend to a fellow Israelite, it must be without interest. And if you take an Israelite into your home, you're not allowed to charge them money for food. So, you know, people will do that. You stay in their house and they're like, well, you know, we'd really like you to contribute to the food that we're, you know, um, giving you. No, in, in the people of God, God says, nope, if you're bringing the poor in, do not charge them money for food. Okay, no matter how logical that might sound in your worldly, selfish brain, don't do it that way. So Exodus 22, verse 25, if you lend money to any of my people with you who are poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. All right, that's pretty plain and clear. Couldn't be more obvious, very straightforward. Love when God is so straightforward like that. Leviticus 25, starting with verse 35. If your brother becomes poor, again, your brother, an Israelite, becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he 
he shall live with you. So what that means is show him hospitality. So in that culture, it's different. You know, today, especially I I live in the southern part of America, and they think that hospitality is like having the best flower arrangements and the prettiest, you know, coordinating carpet and curtains and being able to serve the best appetizers because you looked it up online and got the best recipes, that this is hospitality. And that is an element of hospitality. But hospitality in the biblical sense is that when people were traveling from place to place, it was an honor and a privilege to take in a stranger and show them hospitality, to house them, to feed them, to help them on their journey. And you would meet with them and talk with them. Now, in some cultures, like the Lord has sent me to Egypt, and there was one place that we went. We were just passing through, and they, uh, the Lord opened this door for us, but they didn't know us very well. So in that culture, they fed us. They fed us a feast. I mean, it was a grand feast, but they did not eat with us. They ate separately from us. They fed us as much as we could possibly eat, and then they sat in another room, and we joined them in that other room after we had finished eating um, and enjoyed wonderful time of fellowship and time with the Lord together, um, and it, it was wonderful. That's how they do it in some cultures. I've been also in parts of India where, as the guest, you eat first, and then after the guest is done eating, then the people of the household eat. And it's not that they're being unfriendly. It's just the way that they culturally show hospitality. Um, now, for us, it's in the West, it's more that we gather together at the table and the breaking of bread with one another is that hospitality. It's that time of fellowship that we're eating a meal together. But in cultures that are more based in the ancient uh, traditions, which the Bible is written from that perspective, eating together was also a sign of covenant, which is why you wouldn't necessarily eat with someone that you didn't know very well. So in India, it's more uh, because sometimes of the poverty, they want them to make sure that the guest has all that the guest could possibly eat before the family starts to eat. So it's a way of honor. And so really, this is the culture in India. They really honor their guests and especially servants of the Lord that hypothetically, if the if the person that they were showing hospitality to ate all of the food, then the people in the house would not have any food. And it would be their honor to show that kind of hospitality to the guest. Okay. Um, in other cultures, it's just, it's, I'm trying to give you different perspectives on the hospitality thing. And how the Bible is talking about bringing them in and feeding a person like a stranger or a sojourner. So it was an honor in this culture to bring in a stranger, to bring in a sojourner and show them hospitality. But this is now saying if your brother among you, your fellow Israelite becomes poor, then show him the same type of honor that you would show to a stranger that you are showing hospitality to. Don't treat him like, oh, you're poor and you should be really grateful for what I'm doing for you because you'd be out on the street if it weren't for me. You know, like, don't, that's not the right heart of God. Treat them with honor and respect the same way that you would show hospitality to a sojourner. And that's biblical hospitality, not some of our other cultural ideas of hospitality. 
Okay, so we're going to keep on going. Where were we? Support him as though he were a stranger or a sojourner, and he shall live with you. So take them into your home. Verse 36, take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God. Fear the Lord. Don't take interest. Don't charge him rent. Don't take it for a profit that he's, you know, living with you. Give him hospitality the same way that you would give honor and hospitality to a guest, that your brother may live beside you with dignity, okay? God respects and honors the dignity of people and especially his covenant people. Verse 37, you shall not lend him your money at interest, nor give him your food for profit. I am the Lord your God who brought you, here we go, remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan to be and to be your God. So God, he's even referring to it. Listen to that. God is like, I gave you the land of Canaan. He didn't say I gave you the land of Israel because that makes it sound like it was already yours and I gave you what's already yours. No, I gave you some someone else's land. I gave you a stranger's land. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You were a slave. I did all the work. I gave you houses you did not build. I gave you vineyards you did not plant. I gave you cisterns you did not dig. And so now when someone's poor and they're looking like the slave that you used to be, you treat them the way I treated you. I am the Lord your God. Fear me. That's what God is saying. So he's saying, give liberally, give generously, and don't try to make a profit on it. And there's another scripture there, Deuteronomy chapter 23, starting with verse 19. You shall not charge interest. I mean, come on, these scriptures are so abundantly clear. On loans to your brother, this is your fellow Israelite, interest on money, interest on food, interest on anything that is lent for interest. So anything that you could possibly conceive of to charge a fee for or charge interest for, don't do it. You can charge it to the foreigner. So if you're doing a business deal with a foreigner, you can charge interest for that. That's fine. That's not of God's people. But you may not charge your brother, your fellow Israelite, interest that the Lord your God may bless you. Again, God is saying, again, he said this in a prior verse that we read, for this, the Lord your God will bless you. And this says that the Lord your God may bless you. He's going to bless you in all that you undertake in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. So if you do this, God is going to bless you. But I hope you have seen through these scriptures that God's treatment and his expectation of the treatment of his special people, his redeemed people, is different than the way that we treat other people, you know, especially the poor. He doesn't want the Israelites losing their dignity because they have become poor. They become the responsibility of the community that there should be no poor among God's people.
All right. And this last piece of point C, which is the promised land biblical picture of provision, is leaving gleanings for the poor. The poor, the widow, the orphan, and the sojourner. So again, we've seen so clearly that if the people of God obey God's commands and keep his precepts and his statutes and his rules, then God is going to restore them to an Eden-like abundance. Boom! Provision everywhere. Super abundance everywhere, okay? And he wants there to be no poor in the land. But this also includes that he he also includes that there will be poor and there will be widows. Now, a widow in the biblical context, if she has no husband to care for her, then she is on her own. That was the way that the culture worked. So Widows are very precious in the sight of God. The orphan, one with no parents to look out for them, they are also very precious in the sight of God. And the sojourner or the foreigner, God knows what it's like to be a foreigner and a sojourner in a strange land. You know why? Jesus came to his own people. He was a foreigner. He was from heaven. They were from earth. He felt like a stranger here, okay? Even though he had a flesh and blood just like ours. But his people needed to treat the sojourners or the foreigners with fairness and with equity. Why? Okay, again, 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 because the whole point of the promised land is to reveal the goodness and the glory of God to the whole world. So if a foreigner comes along, an outsider comes along, and the people of God treat them like garbage or are really mean to them, then are they going to want to be a part of God's people? Uh, no. All right, so if you're doing that, just be logical for a moment. God wants the foreigner to acknowledge him, to recognize that the God of Israel is the most high God. So there's a certain way that God wants these people treated. And so he makes provision for that in his rules to Israel for when they get into the promised land. So the first scripture there in your study guide is Leviticus 19, starting with verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So the gleanings are what's left over. You know, when you go through and you get the big bushels out, but there are some things left behind, those are the gleanings. Um, I know of a church where they take a gleanings offering and they call it the chump change offering. So now this used to be a lot more <laughs> convenient. This was a, a while back where we would actually have dollars and bills and uh, change in your pockets, but people would just come and they would bring all of their loose 
exchange and give this as a gleanings offering for the poor. Now, that's a lot harder to do when we're doing it on a debit card because it's like, how do we know what a gleaning is and what's left over and, and what's not? But the point is that, like, don't run your own budget right up to the penny. Leave some left over so that you can always be generous and give to the poor. And there are a whole variety of ways of doing this. We're going to talk about giving to the poor in a later unit. But you can see right here that the poor and the sojourner and the widow and the orphan are very important to the Lord. So Another verse here in Leviticus 23, verse 22. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the field right up to the edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord. So that sounds almost exactly what he just like what he just said. But if God's repeating himself, it's because he wants you not to miss the point. Don't miss it. God's saying the same thing another time. He wants you to get that this is important important to him, how you treat the poor, the widow, the orphan, the sojourner, those who are near and dear to God's heart. Why are they near and dear? Because he hears their cry. They are dependent on him because they have no one else. This is why Jesus said, blessed are the poor. And he said, woe to you who are rich. Blessed are the poor for yours is the kingdom of heaven. The poor are crying out to the Lord and the Lord hears their cry. And the scripture also says in another place, if if you are tight-fisted to the poor, if you have what, what is in your pocket to give to the poor and you don't give to the poor, the poor will cry out to, to God against you and God will hear their cry against you. So we need to take this very seriously. One last scripture, Deuteronomy 24, verse 19 when you reap your harvest in the field and forget a sheaf in the field. So this is not just don't go all the way up to the edge. If you've left a whole bushel, if you left your wheelbarrow back there, you shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, which is another way of saying the orphan and the widow. And here we go. That the Lord, your God, may bless you in all the work of your hands. So God, again, is saying, if you do this, I'm going to bless you. Do this so that I will bless you. That the Lord, your God, may bless you in all all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. Again, don't go all the way right to the last penny just for yourself. Give some consideration. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. So I hope from these scriptures you have seen how important it is in the sight of the Lord. God is like, I'm going to supernaturally over abundance bless you in in the promised land. So I want you to co-labor with me to understand my heart for you in the promised land so that there will be no poor among you because you don't become hard-hearted toward them. You become tender-hearted toward them and you help them in every way that you possibly can, the same way that I helped you when you were helpless.